Okay, guys, now I'm doing the intro to this <laughs> new podcast here with Gabe. She's laughing at me. But we're going to be talking about a very specific subject related to God's judgments. First, we want to talk about what is the definition, the biblical definition of judgments, and can God judge under the new covenant? Is it the same as in the Old Testament, now in the New Testament, after the cross? Is it the same or not? So let's start. brought up this topic and so that's why we want to just continue on it but you have come across um I, I think more than in the last few weeks but especially over the last few weeks as you know all these questions are surfacing and um hundreds of people asking yeah this question and and rightly so this is the time to talk about it so it's awesome but it basically comes down to this question of does God judge the same way in the New Testament as he did in the Old Testament? And um, a lot of the premise of that question comes with, well, didn't everything get finalized at the cross? And so uh, that's kind of the main uh, focus that we want to try to tackle today. Yeah, and um, as we discussed last week is um this question is coming up more and more i mean obviously because of the pandemic and many people are um swinging from this is the devil and god wants us to arise and the other extreme is saying this is god's judgment he's angry at the world we need to repent and fear and there's a middle ground there's a more than a middle, middle ground, there is a biblical perspective that opens up our discernment. And then we realize that God can be doing multiple things at the same time. Multiple things and sources can be happening at the same time. And we see that throughout the Bible. So this is more, and we're, we don't want to even mention again the COVID-19 or the coronavirus, because you've heard about this a trillion times by now. And... We know we need to rebuke the devil. We need to ask for the Lord for protection and blah, blah, blah. We know all of that. So let's just talk about the knowledge of and God. And we're doing that. We're doing it. Yeah. We are doing Hardcore. it. Hardcore. But again, this is the main point of this is a knowledge of God situation. Because if we want to graduate from this season and be approved and get to the next season to tran transition well out of this lockdown we need to address the issue of the knowledge of god yeah this is more than the devil another attack which it is but it's more than that for the church it is an issue of the knowledge of god and we need to talk about god as a judge jesus is a bridegroom we always talk about this over and over again jesus is a bridegroom that loves people jesus is a, a king that has power and demonstrates the kingdom but also jesus is a judge and actually, I just want to start saying every single time we see a revival, we study a revival from, you know, the time of Jesus and the apostles to the last 2000 years, we see those three things operating at the same time. We see 
Jesus as a bridegroom that is inviting unsafe people to be loved by him and receive his love and love him back. You know, that, that every revival we see the bridegroom God that has passion. We also see the power of the king to break in the power of, of darkness and expanding prosperity, you know, even changing sometimes the geography and the landscape of people, people's groups and geography. But also we see the judge. Every single revival, even though we don't know about it, every single revival, the judge is manifesting his power. And that's uh, because every single time that Jesus breaks the power of cancer, that is the judge. Mm -hmm. That is Jesus judging the cancer and breaking in with healing. So that's good news. Every single time that Jesus opens the eyes of the blind person that once that hated God, that hated Jesus, and all of a sudden they have conviction of sin and righteousness and the Holy Spirit, that is the work of the judge. He is bringing judgment to principalities and powers. Second uh, Corinthians 4, verse 1 to, to 6, Paul says that it is the God of this world that has blinded the understanding and the hearts of people, but the God of Genesis 1 brings light, and then all of a sudden they see beauty in the face of Jesus. They can see the glory of... So the judge has been operating for 2,000 years, not only in the Old Testament, Jesus of the breakthrough, the God of the breakthrough is the judge. Yeah. And so we want to break down two things. One, the, the, the main question is, can God judge in the new covenant, New Testament? Can God judge now? Does and number, he? Yeah. yeah, does he? And number two, what is the definition of judgment? Is it negative or is it positive or is it both? So we want to address those two, those two questions today. Yeah. Maybe this is jumping to the second one a little bit, but I do want to say that, I mean, we know from Exodus 34, the Lord proclaims his name to Moses. And uh, at some point I want to break down the, just the story of the Exodus because it's been moving my heart uh, recently, but that's a subject for another time. But what we just recap really quick, the Lord is making a marriage covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai, and right as th that covenant is being formed, they immediately go ahead and create this golden calf, and and they, you know, they violate the covenant right away, which is you shall have no other gods before me. And anyways, it's in that context that the Lord proclaims His name to Moses, and He says, "I am the Lord God, gracious, compassionate, full of mercy." but also by no means, uh, how does, how does he say it exactly? By no means like wiping away the iniquity of, of I'm messing it up. You can go find that verse in chapter 34, but basically he's saying, I'm full of mercy. I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger. This is my heart. But at the same time, I'm also, I need to punish wrongdoing and I will punish sin. And I love that that is one of the premier revelations of God that we get early on in, in the scriptures. And it's so that those names and those themes of his character of who he is, they just unfold through the rest of scripture. Yeah. And I want to say like, I've been getting comforted. Yes. I mean, 
a hundred percent with the compassion, the slow to anger, but also the fact that he doesn't let sin go. The fact that God is a judge who will actually come and condemn sin and wrongdoing is such a comfort to us because if, if he didn't and the wicked just were able to prosper in what they were doing, that would make him unjust. Um, but I do want to say, tagging on to what Benji was leading off with, a lot of the times the judgment of God is is him wanting to show mercy. And his judgment is about him bringing a verdict to something. And so sometimes, oftentimes, and I believe this is his heart all of the time, is he wants his verdict to be mercy. That's why we have the demonstration of the cross is we know that everyone who believes in the son, everyone who believes that Jesus bore their sin on the cross receives the mercy of God because they know that their judgment was placed upon Jesus at the cross. And that's incredible and that's amazing. And we never are going to lose the wonder of that. But also for those who don't uh, believe in Jesus and and don't, you know, make that their verdict, I think this is one of the clearest verses that I've seen on it, which is John three thirty six. It says, "Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him." And this whole concept is the fact that. God, we are still, apart from Jesus, we are still under judgment and we are still uh, needing the wrath of God to be poured out on the earth to remove wickedness from the earth, to remove all of the effects of sin, which includes sickness, disease, pandemics, all of that. And so the thing is, is God wants to show mercy 100%. And, and mercy is you know, the verdict that he gives a lot of the time, but at the same time, he also will bring the swift judgment to end wickedness and to end sin and darkness and all that as well. Yeah. And we can expand a little bit more by the end of when we define what judgment is and the different, different scenarios and expression of judgment that we can see in the Bible, especially Jesus, the judge. So, yeah, I mean, just the, um, uh, this was considered a heresy back in the day, like in the first four centuries of this, um, this theology that they will make the God of the Old Testament different than the God of the New Testament. When we know Paul said in Colossians 2 and then the book of Hebrews chapter 1, it's clear that Jesus is the glory of God. He is the living image and the manifestation of the fullness of Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. So when we see Jesus in the flesh, New Testament post the cross, um, we're seeing the is the same Yahweh that was walking with the people of God. He's the angel of the Lord that Isaiah saw high and lifted up. He is the same. Paul says that he was the rock that was following and leading the people of Israel for forty years. He's the the you know the manna. He's the he was the angel of the Lord in Joshua 5 that appeared to Joshua with a sword. And he's the guy who defeated the Philistines. He's, he's the God of the Old Testament, but he was Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus. So just I just want to say that that strongly, 
the the New Testament didn't change God. It's not that he is a bipolar God, that he's in bad mood in the Old Testament. He gets in a good mood in the New Testament, but in the book of Revelation, he gets back to the bad mood. And then in Revelation 21, he gets happy again. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. So, uh, so because we don't get it right away, because we want just a happy life, that doesn't mean that God needs to change who He is for our own, uh, you know, just to make it easy for us. The, so uh, that's why we want, we're trying to break it down. Jesus is the God of the of the Old Testament in the flesh, and you know, if we think. Uh, so this is the question, right? That uh, um, I received many questions on this. And someone was telling me, hey, Benji, uh, if God is, you know, orchestrating or leading this thing with the virus and all of these things, we know it's Satan. But if you're saying that God is behind this too, that means that are we in the old covenant? Or I thought that we were in the new covenant. And the answer is, yes, we're in the new covenant. And the reality is that in the old covenant with Moses and all of that, the it was very severe to break the law. Mm-hmm. It was very severe. And and now in the new covenant, we will think that we can get all the glory without the severity. But the reality is that the book of Hebrews tells us that it's even more severe than the Old Testament. Yeah. And I want to the two quotes that you can read later is Hebrews chapter two, verse one to four. But I read verse two. For the, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it. He's saying, if the law given by angels, if he was disobeyed, had a lot of consequences, how much more now if we, you know, despise the blood of the son, the sacrifice given by the, you know, the law given by the son. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. It says the same thing that now there's what's going to happen with those who despise the sacrifice of the Son of God, but a great judgment, the expectation of a terrible judgment, now under the Spirit of grace. So, yes, the new covenant has much more glory and privileges, but if we reject the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it's a lot of thing, of, of judgment. And I just want to, I'll give you um, time to, to speak, Gabe, but I just want to quote or list a few judgments that happened in the New Testament. We have Jesus multiple times, like Matthew 11. He was pronouncing judgment to these cities that rejected him, saying even Sodom and Gomorrah, they're going to have a lesser judgment than you guys that saw the things that they didn't see. And so he he pronounced many judgments. But let's let's just go to the post the cross. Paul, I mean, the book of Acts, chapter 5. There, Peter pronounces a judgment against Ananias and Sapphira, and the Holy Spirit killed these two guys that were lying under the moment of revival when the presence of God was breaking in. They actually die. They, he, they get killed by God. And then you have um, Acts chapter 12, when these Herod, the king, killed one of the apostles, and people were praising him and not giving glory to God. And because he received the glory from men and not gave the glory to God, he says that an angel appeared with a sword and stroke him. Uh, and, and he was killed and died, eaten by worms, literally in front of everyone's eyes. Then we have Paul 
you know, releasing a judgment against this wizard that was using this demonized lady to, you know, do all these kinds of false prophetic things and yeah, and making money out of this, you know, this lady. And, and he became blind and he, you know, judgment after judgment. Let's go Jesus in the book of Revelation. Five out of the seven churches in Revelation chapter two and three, the Lord Jesus releases a, a warning and a judgment if we don't repent as the church. This is the church. Mm-hmm. And it's not only the Jewish people. This is the Gentile church. This is the new covenant. This is Jesus glorified talking to us, even to Jezebel. It says, I really love Jezebel. But she's teaching my people to, you know, do orgies and all of these things. I'm going to give her time. But if she doesn't repent, I'm going to strike him with a judgment of sickness. And I'm going to kill all of her sons. And you're like, are you kidding me? This is Jesus. Wait a minute. I thought we were in the old covenant and the new covenant. He's like, yes. That's why I'm, if you overcome, there's mercy. There's, I, 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 I'm slow to anger. But if you don't repent in the new covenant, there's nothing else I can do but bring a judgment so that she can be safe. Yeah. Paul said it over and over again. I have to release people when they are committing sin over and over. And they don't want to repent even through the confronting of the church elders and the, the congregation. I'm going to have to deliver them to Satan. So, you know, they are shaken by the enemy and maybe killed. But at the end of the day, maybe in the in the death, in their deathbed, they can repent and you know, and they're forever safe. Yeah. So again, let's not bring the argument of that we're in the new covenant. If we want to bring that argument, the New Testament is very clear that the glory is greater, but the, the you know, the requirements are even greater. Now. Yeah. I'm just thinking about also the storyline of the Old Testament continues through the New Testament. And that really is, it's all about God being able to dwell with man. And so what do we see happen? We see, you know, God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. Sin came into the world and that separation happened. But then that's why God gets closer at the Exodus and he forms this this marriage covenant and he dwells in a tabernacle in the midst of his people. But the thing is, is God can't dwell in the midst of sin. And that's why you know, there's rules, there's the law, there's the regulation, there's things for purification and sanctification. Because if unholiness approaches a holy God, that unholiness is going to get purged, meaning die. (laughs) It's going to disappear. It is gold. Gold gets refined in the fire to be purified. And that's the whole point of God actually bringing judgment to his church. And in a lot of ways, it it really is more about discipline, which I do want to talk about in a second. But God will discipline through judgment. And so the the whole thing, though, is, yes, we are in this new covenant, and we actually have that burning fire of Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, that burning fire that rested on the top of that mountain, that is the Holy Spirit living inside of us now. Like that should cause us to tremble with fear. And and that's why we see in the New Testament it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's actually the fact that that holy God now lives inside of us and we are temples, we are vessels of the Holy Spirit. But if there is impurity within us and within the church, 
you know, sexual immorality, uh, just loose living, um, sinfulness. And, and we know that there is, we know, especially in the West, for the most part, it's a very Laodicean church and the Lord is going to wake us up, but this is how he does it is he uses the things happening in the earth. He uses pandemics. He uses economic crisis to shake us, to get us out of our compromise, out of sin. And he's saying, I am really coming back to the planet. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And my goal hasn't changed. I want to dwell with you and God is going to come to the earth. And so there's a purifying, there's a purging that needs to happen. And that's why repentance is so important in this time. Luke 21 talks about a snare that's going to come across the whole earth before Jesus comes. And it is so much more difficult after you've been caught in the snare to get out of the snare instead of looking now in the time where the Lord's saying, hey, you still have time to repent and there's time for mercy. We want to make sure that we are getting out of, you know, sin and compromise, immorality, uh, even loose speech. And this is really a time to press into greater holiness and, and the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. And maybe that's something that we'll talk about in future episodes. But I also want to start off, um, or I want to say something about the way that John the Baptist started off his ministry. John the Baptist, we know, is the forerunner to Jesus's ministry, and he comes saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he says in in John 3 verse 10, even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. So therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he goes immediately and says, I baptize with water. Jesus is going to come and baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. And he's going to, it says his winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Okay, this is the introduction to the ministry of Jesus. And I want to just make this point really briefly. John is talking about an axe that is literally, the picture is literally like this axe is at the bottom of the tree ready to swing But the whole thing is about how, I mean, in this context, how would Israel, how would the people of that time respond to the ministry of Jesus? Would they believe in him and be saved from judgment, be saved from, you know, that, that ax coming to swing and the, the way that they would be saved is if the tree actually bore fruit. Mm -hmm. And I want to just say this is, um, I learned this recently and I thought it was so interesting because you tie it with John 15. I learned um, that vine dressers or or vinters, winemakers, they are constantly pruning their their bushes uh, because there's one point in the season where they have to actually prune their, their vines all the way down to the stump. Because what happens is if they prune all the way down to the stump, new branches will grow for that season and bear fruit. Like it'll be much more fruitful. And and so they have to go to that very bare bones pruning process. 
But then what happens is they want to expose the fruit to the most sunlight possible. So what happens is they'll start pruning later on in the season, the vines that aren't bearing, you know, as good of fruit. And what they'll do even is they'll take some very fruitful vines, the ones that are, you know, bearing lots of foliage and stuff like that. And they'll even go ahead and start pruning the good foliage because they want to expose the grapes to the most amount of sunlight possible. And I think of John 15, Jesus is the vine and our father is the vine dresser. And really what he is doing is he is constantly in this pruning process, which yes, is discipline. It says right there in John 15, it's, it's discipline. The Lord will discipline his children. He prunes us so that we would bear more fruit. But that discipline comes sometimes through the judgments, that the ax is laid at the root of the tree. And so I I hope that picture is coming through clearly, but I'm saying the whole point is that our father, the vine dresser, is looking for fruit in our life. He's looking for fruits worthy of repentance. He's looking... uh, What's the apostolic prayer where it says you would be fruitful in every good work? I think it's Philippians 1, 9 mm-hmm. to 11, maybe. Mm-hmm. The Lord really cares about his church being fruitful. He really cares about us living holy and walking holy to the point that he actually will bring the discipline, the pruning, the judgment necessary uh, to, to cut off the branches that aren't bearing fruit. Yeah, so that brings us to our last question uh, with what you're saying. How can we um, define the judgments of God? And I think there's many expressions and layers, no more than five or six. But if I could put it in a few words before we finish with what we're saying, I think there's like three different expressions of judgment. First of all, to the church the people that are sons and daughters of God, that are under the new covenant. God doesn't judge by punishing, but by discipline. Mm -hmm. And that's very clear in Hebrews chapter 12, that if we receive the discipline from our fathers in the flesh, and they were not perfect, but we understand that it was for our own benefit at the end of the day. How much more now from our father? He says that he who loves, he disciplines. Because if not, then we are bastards. We are illegitimate sons. But he says that he disciplines us or prunes us, which is a different subcategory, but it's the same. uh, So we can participate of his holiness. And it's literally what you're saying. So what's happening right now in the church, in the middle of this massive pandemic, if we focus on what God is doing to the church, he's disciplining us by this shaking. Which is his kindness. It's his kindness. It's his love. He's saying, I really want to prepare you for the next revival of power. And and, and the accountability is going to grow. And I believe that if we actually embrace this discipline this year, in this lockdown, whatever the, the, the time is, I think God is going to start. I think he is drafting the leadership for the end times. The, the, he's drafting the... Uh, the the leadership for for the next revival and right now we're in a if we embrace this we're going to enter into a revival of purity intimacy and understanding but the next one that's coming i believe and i'm feeling this is going to be a revival of power and confrontation of principalities and powers and persecution um 
but we need we needed to go and many are finding out that they didn't have good relationship with their wives many who are itinerary ministers are realizing that they didn't know their children you know and they are the lord is in his mercy saying hey, i really want to use you but i need to shake you lock you down so you have a strong leadership in your house first i want to make you a strong son and daughter listen to me so it's it's intense but it's in his loving kindness that's number one discipline and pruning number two he actually uh, when he judges he breaks the power of principalities it's the same thing is that we actually enter into his warfare in ephesians 6 10 to 16 when we are fighting against principalities and powers, it's because he is the one fighting. So when he's judging, he is releasing power against principalities and powers and Satan's kingdom. That's invisible. And 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 it can be manifested in a, what we talk about, uh, you know, healing and etc. etc. or revival. But number three, God also judges the enemies of the church and Israel. Mm -hmm. Physically, he stops in his mercy. With the plan and the intention, I want you to repent and be saved. But he stops the oppressor. And I can think of the human traffickers, the pimps, and all of these. I mean, when, when, when God breaks in as a judge, it's like when he's saying, I had enough. The shedding of innocent blood, the abortions, the f more than 50 million abortions worldwide a year. Mm -hmm. God has to respond to that. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes he breaks in in power. And he brings an earthquake or he brings stuff. And people say, no, God is not behind earthquakes. Just read the Bible, man. God is in control of the tornado and the hurricane and the, and the shakings, according to um, Amos chapter 3, verse 6 and, and, and on. So anyway, so that, that, that's how we can define what judgment is and the different expressions of judgments. Uh, related to unbelievers and believers or Satan and the spiritual kingdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just in closing, I'm thinking of, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4, where the Lord talks about uh, what we build, the materials we use to, to build our lives. And he says, you know, what a man builds his life with is going to be revealed in, in that day of judgment or in, that, in the day that we stand before the Lord. And if we build with wood, stubble, and hay, when we stand before the fire of his eyes, when we stand before the fire of just who God is, he is a consuming fire, those things will be burned up. And, and it says that some will be saved, but as through fire, meaning they lose, they lose out on the potential reward that was available to them. But it says yeah. also that you can build your life with, um, you know, precious stones, with silver, with gold that's been refined in the fire. And that, that's what the invitation really is to us right now is that through everything that's going on. And I just want to say like, you know, my heart breaks for people that are really suffering yeah, right yeah. now. People who are losing loved ones like it it is painful and even in that though the lord is always extending the invitation turn to me turn to me because this counts for eternity this counts this is refining fire and it hurts and it burns up the things in our lives that weren't you know 
that weren't in alignment with him. But in the long run, it really will count for eternity and we will be very, very grateful. And so that is, that is the invitation to us right now. What are we building our lives with? Are we building with the material that would actually really be able to withstand the fire of his gaze as we stand before him? And, and I just want to say too, and I mean, this is something that I'm asking the Lord to help me with, remind me, but just of the hope and the victory that we have in eternal life. Like we need to be reminded of that over and over and over that this world is not our home. This world is not our inheritance that we don't want to love our, our lives in this side. If we try to save our lives now, we're going to lose it. But if we lose our lives on this side, we will gain it in the end. And so I need that reminder on a daily basis. I'm sure we all do, but just to be reminded of how great, uh, eternity really is. It hasn't even entered into the mind or the heart of man, what God has prepared for us. And so that is our hope. And so anyways, I hope this episode has brought some more clarity is helpful to you. Um, let us know if you have thoughts and by no means is this a whole picture of, of God's judgment in the new Testament. I mean, I'm sure there's a hundred, hundred things that we have left out or forgotten, but at least it is a starting point. And so thanks for listening, you guys, and we will see you in the next episode. See you.